Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Welcome back. This is Lori, and we are headed into the Book of Helaman for Come Follow Me, and we're about the middle of August in 2020. All right, everybody. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. It is great to be headed back, and we're moving on to a new book today. So I I just can't believe how fast we've headed into the Book of Mormon already. And I also wanted to just tell you a few things. Hey, we hit 100 episodes. I can't believe it. Um, I thought doing a podcast might be kind of a cool thing. People might like it. And I was looking for a way to maybe share some of the insights and things that I was learning. And wow, 100 episodes. So I've learned a lot and it's been an amazing experience. So I just want to thank everybody, uh, just frankly, for everything that you've done and making this really successful. So thank you for sharing it. Thank you for uh, sharing it with your friends and family. It means a lot. Um, frankly, I, I know that one of the, so we'll just take a quick aside, but I, I know that one of the best ways to learn is to teach, right? And so this has really exceeded all my expectations and that I may be a little bit like Nephi and I paraphrase, I, I didn't really know where the spirit was leading me, but here we are. And I've just uh, learned so much and, and hopefully just all around the world, countries all around the world. So just thank you. Thank you. And, and really just always rebounds on me. So as you know, jumping in back into the topic, a few more thoughts. We always cover at the beginning of each book of scripture, we do an all about section. So that's where we look at the context, the overview, the literary features, things like the structure of the book, taking a big picture view, maybe the history, who, what, where, what was going on. And frankly, this is my favorite episode. I, I It kind of started as an idea because I wanted to look into it when we were doing New Testament. And then it just took off. And by the way, um, this tells you a little bit more about me. This is really the way I work. I, I like to read the whole book, think of the big themes, study the big concepts, the history. Like why did Helaman or Peter or whomever wrote it uh, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, why did they write it this way? Um, and they, they put it together in a certain order and that's why we have it. Um, in contrast, uh, you know, we sometimes do what I call spiritual tweets. It's like the little tiny tidbits. Um, and, and I think it's exciting in contrast to use kind of feasting on the word, taking the big picture, as it were. And so in these all about sections, we, we take a step back and start looking at that. So as we jump into the scriptures themselves, hopefully we can start to see the themes, the context. And by the way, there's weird stats that I get on the podcast, and they seem to be your favorites too, so who knew? But anyway, here we are. So today, we're on to Helaman. So we have just covered the Book of Alma. The Book of Alma is the largest book in the Book of Mormon. Uh, you probably know that. And we've covered approximately, what, 35 years? And then we're going to jump into the Book of Helaman, and we're going to cover about 48 years. And it's not that long, so just... Time-wise, you can't go by the, the books themselves to tell you how many years they're covering historically. So 35 in Alma and then 48 in Helaman. So historically, what's going on in the book of Helaman? Well, it's about the same that was going on in the book of Alma. So think back. What was the historical background? And just while we do that, kind of bullet point that in your head. Say, answer the question, right? This is where you learn is when you think through it. It's when I learn is when I write it down. 
So what was going on in Alma? What was the history? What was the politic? What was happening politically, socially? What was the status of the Nephite nation? How were the people doing, individuals? Were there any that were doing poorly? Were any struggling? What were their challenges? How about some that were successful in being righteous and, and holding to the rod of iron? What, what helped them? Uh, what was different about their experiences? What society were they from? Were they Nephite? Were they Lamanite? Oh, maybe there were some of each. All right. So here's some of my thoughts. You definitely read in the time of Helaman and in Alma, and as a reminder, social upheaval. So you're going to see a lot of, it's not just political upheaval, but social upheaval, which we're going to see in this social stratification. So it's going to see poor in material wealth, poor versus rich, the powerful versus non-powerful. It's a very egalitarian, right? We're setting ourselves up in kind of a caste or a class system, which, which is ultimately going to reveal itself in the king, right? They want to put the ultimate powerful single individual social stratification in the idea of a king um which you see in the kingman and the freeman right you're like it's not that it, it's the power and it's the social um upheaval that it's going to cause so you see both internal and external pressures in zarahemla the one that i was um is funny to me is in uh, just outside of Mary Hamlin, right? Is the Ramiumptum prayers, <laughs> like where they get up onto the Ramiumptum tower and they pray, aren't we glad we're not like them? And uh, in, even the poor people who help build the synagogues, they kick them out because they're poor and they're not dressed very well. That would totally be me, by the way, not dressed very well. But the Ramiumptum prayers, so we see these examples of this set separating themselves, the kingmen, the Ramiumptum, the people of Ammon being cast out. And then we see individuals were missionary efforts, like Alma the Younger, when he goes with uh, uh, Amulek, for example, and they're looking for the humble in spirit in famous Alma 32 chapter. Not the humble just being poor, but those who have changed their internal, their hearts, and being humble in spirit. We also see themes in the middle of these social and political upheavals, mostly social at the time, which you talked about, but in covenants. So we say one of the things that helps the people stay strong and helps them stay righteous is the effects of covenants. Um, and we learn that in the lesson of the people of Alma, right? They leave their power and their warlike lives, and then they're saying, I'm going to hold to the covenants. I, I don't think the message is as much about pacifism or not fighting, right? Because we see the exact opposite with Captain Moroni. It's about covenants that people have made of being humble and saying the things that tempt me, the power, uh, the corruption, I'm going to walk away from. In my life, I'm going to bury my weapons of war. I am going to fight to keep freedoms um, that we have to, to take this egalitarian and these caste systems and separation and the lack of unity of the people, and we're going to separate it. So power. One of the other things we're going to see is power. Power of people, but specifically we're going to see a threat of secret combinations. Now, these secret combinations, it's going to be one of the first time we actually name some of them and then we're going to see it they kind of seem to come and go so they seem to be this thread that's been going throughout the world but we see it kind of rise its head and it's going to ultimately be the cause uh what mormon tells us of the downfall of the nephite nation so we're going to see this power specifically the one we name now is the first time we hear the name gadian roberts gadian roberts so we're going to hear it so we actually hear about them time-wise in the book of mormon in the jaredites but the way that mormon puts the books together He's telling us a story, and the way he tells us the story is we're going to set the stage with Mosiah beginning the church, 
Abinadi Noah, this power, Alma the Elder, Alma the Younger, they set the stage. And then we start to see the social upheaval, the spiritual strife in the book of Helaman is when the Gadianton robbers grow. And well, it's going to be, again, the result of, uh, in Mormon's life, that, that the downfall of his nation, he's going to trace back and he's going to show us that it was through this. But the people let them in, right? The, the pride and the upheaval and the separation of others being, oh, you're different than me, and, and uh, casting those people out caused part of that upheaval. So um, there you go. So there's some of the, the ideas. But while we're, we just talked about some of the downfall and the things, remember that the, uh, it's going, the culmination is going to be preparation for Christ's coming. And the, we see these bright spots of the personal righteousness of people like Alma the Younger, Helaman, um, the stripling warriors, uh, the stripling warriors, mothers, right? There's just all these, the Ammonites. I mean, there's these great, 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 um, even people like Zizrum, uh, Zizrum who change. I, I just love these individual stories. So that's where you're going to see some of kind of what's going on, some of the who, what, what, who, the, what the power structures are like, right? It's the setting that we find in Alma. And then it's even stronger in the book of Helaman. So we kind of think back, we go, yep, that's how it's going to go. All right, let's talk about themes for a second and authors. So the very beginning is theme one is secret combinations. We already talked about that a little bit, but I want you to start looking at that one. It's a scary one to study, but it's one that Mormon's going to keep underlining for us. Um, that's one of the second ones that you're going to see, I think, is I said is the, the purpose of the Book of Mormon. So if you remember back to the purpose of the Book of Mormon, there's a thousand years of history and Mormon gets to pick and tell the stories. He says at one point there's not even a tenth of some of the stories that they had in the land of desolation when they go northward. He says, I can't even write a tenth of these stories, um, or a hundredth part of these stories, and we know it's even more. There was just so much records of some of these people. So Mormon's got a lot of stuff to choose from, and yet he picks and chooses very carefully. And what is his purpose? Why is he writing this book? Why is the Lord guiding him to write this book for us? And he tells us in the title page. So go back and read the title page. What did you come up with? Well, he says specifically that it's teaching the Lamanite, the Jew, and the Gentile that Jesus is the Christ. Here's what it says. There's all this stuff, and then there's this little like hyphen, and the purpose, and hyphen, and it says this, the second paragraph, which is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers, and that they may know the covenants of the Lord, and they are not cast off forever, and also to the convincing of the Jew and Gentile that Jesus is the Christ the eternal God manifesting himself unto all nations. So he's telling us the story, the story of Helaman, the story of Alma, the story of all these people, because it reminds us of Christ's first coming. And he's going to say the second coming, the time we live in, is going to be parallel. There's going to be a pattern. So if we study those days, it will help prepare us in our day. If you remember back in 1 Nephi 12, um, uh, Nephi has a vision of our day and it says this first uh, Nephi 12 2 through 6 it came to pass that the angel said unto me look and behold this thy seed and also the seed of thy brethren and I looked and I beheld the land of promise and I beheld multitudes of people yea even as if were a number as many as the sand of sea of the sea and it came to pass that I beheld multitudes gathered together to battle one against the other and I beheld wars and rumors of wars and great slaughters with the sword among my people. 
And it came to pass that I beheld many generations pass away after the manner of wars and contentions in the land. And I beheld many cities, yea, even that I did not number them. And it came to pass that I saw a mist of darkness on the face of the land of promise. And I saw lightnings, and I heard thunderings and earthquakes and all manner of tumultuous noises. And I saw the earth and the rocks that they rent. And I saw mountains tumbling into pieces. And I saw the plains of the earth, and they were broken up. And I saw cities that were sunk. And I saw that many of them were burned with fire. And I saw that many of them did tumble to the earth because of the quaking thereof. And it came to pass after I saw these things, I saw the vapor of darkness that it passed from the face of the earth. And behold, I saw multitudes who had not fallen because of the great and terrible judgments of the Lord. And I saw the heavens open and the Lamb of God descending out of heaven. And he came down and showed himself unto them. What's this vision that Nephi, first Nephi was seeing? The vision of his people. It sounds like the first coming, but I think the parallels are going to be something parallel for us. So it's a lesson to us. So just like the even the New Testament people, right? They're wait, hoping and waiting for Christ's return. We are hoping and waiting. Thy kingdom come, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're waiting. So keep going. Keep going. Then what's the purpose? We had a couple of the themes. We had a little bit of the setting. We had some of the social. And then the purpose of, the, remember, the Book of Mormon. So why is Mormon writing this? Um, well, one thing, it's a genre, it's a genre change here for us. This isn't a history, at least not the way, I don't, I don't think, the way that we think about a history. Like it isn't a video recording, like a YouTube video, if only I could watch the news and I could see exactly, you know, what happened in the past on a videotape or something. It's a sacred text. So it's not about teaching us how history happened. It's to teach us something about the past that we can use in the future. So we're going to learn how God works with his covenant people. And recheck that title page. It's to convince us that Jesus is the Christ and to prepare us for the second coming. Doesn't that sound a lot like President Nelson lately? Mm -hmm. So it's a testimony. It's a warning. So Mormon's going to use paint this picture of the history of the Nephites to warn us, his people, to warn us how to avoid destruction personally and socially. He says the Nephites condemn themselves in the story by choosing wickedness. They refuse to allow God to prepare them to meet Christ. Right? He's not holding back. In fact, the Lord sends signs and miracles and prophets and Nephites reject them. And watch how the individual reacts, not just the people, but the individual, not just society, but both Nephite and Lamanite, right? First, you think the story, oh, this is about the Nephites being good and the Lamanites being bad. It's like, no, this is about personal righteousness. This is about people choosing. And one of the thing I love in the thing is that he shows how much God just, with any just inkling of repentance, God wants to bless you, right? God wants to bless you. He's like, I, merciful blessing, right? So many examples. And uh, I'm thinking of the Old Testament, Jonah. Jonah gets so mad that he won't preach to his evil enemies, the Assyrians, Nineveh, because he's like, I know that you're merciful. And the minute I preach to them, these terrible, terrible people will be forgiven. And I think about the most common scripture that is quoted requoted in scripture do you know what it is the most common single scripture that a bit or more has been quoted um over and over again so what were the new testament people quoting what were the uh, well, uh, the nephites quoting and it's a scripture out of actually exodus 34 but you see it all over the place and here's what it says it's right after the lord moses sees the lord on mount sinai and it says the lord the lord a merciful and gracious god, a god merciful and gracious slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, 
thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. And then he kind of talks because he's, he's just, but he's merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression. I mean, this is what he's saying. Hey, everybody, the Lord will take you back. Prepare, right? Remember, it's okay to change inside. So structure, let's talk structure really quickly before we finish. So those are some of the themes, prepare to meet Christ, personal righteousness. We're going to see it with the, the different uh, histories and stuff they're showing, but it's a sacred history. He's picking and choosing what to tell us. He's not just going to show every single thing that happened. He's choosing these stories and you see it with the structure. The structure of Helaman goes like one through 11 is going to be this whole story. Mormon's picking it whole story of the the foolishness and the people's faith and they just turn away and all this stuff and then there's this chapter so 11 chapters 1 through 11 Helaman 1 through 11 watch spiritual blindness uh the Nephites just are determined to turn to wickedness they despise the prophets the teachings the chastisements everything that's happening the social upheavals the murders nope doesn't affect us right 11 chapters of that then right in the middle chapter 11 there is an entire chapter written by Mormon when he sometimes was sarcasm, but he's very clear, editorializing the foolishness of people's faith in itself. Like quit trusting in yourself. Turn back to the goodness of God. And remember, God blesses people with any hint of repentance and turning back to him. Like just turn back. Why? Oh, listen. Then he takes the next four chapters, so it's 11 chapters, 11 chapters history, look at how silly they're being, and then a chapter of editorial, turn back to God, and then four more chapters at the end, specifically the warnings and prophecies of Samuel the Lamanite, and how the Nephites attempt to just rationalize the whole thing. So here's this, even a Lamanite prophet, nope, we won't listen, okay? So he, he does this interesting 11 chapters, chapter 12 editorial, then four more chapters, and the message starts to pop out at us. Why? Because it's his editorial message. The message where, go back and when you read chapter 12, that's the, those are the themes. We are not only prone to turn to vain and evil things, but we can on a, bring large-scale destruction if we, to our people and to our land when we reject the warnings of God and turn to evil. But the Lord love us. Remember, the Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious Lord, God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, right? He holds out his hand, just come on back. He's, he's doing all of this to prompt us to turn back to him. He wants to convince us that Jesus is the Christ. All right, brothers and sisters, Helaman is an amazing book. Jump in, see if you don't see some of the themes and the whatever. This is going to be a fantastic ride. I can't wait to jump in with you. All right, everybody, keep on reading.